say I found myself thinking oh crap I have to take notes and I was watching so much because I like this one mm-hmm. um, so we uh, rejoin the story where the doctor is talking to Duggan in the cafe um, about you know they have the bracelet what would the bracelet be worth and then they're interrupted by the two thugs of the counts who come to take them to the uh, to the countess. So we see the countess uh, waiting in the sitting room, and her man comes in and tells her that um, the two peop- the people she wanted to see have been brought to meet her. And so she takes the bracelet and puts it in a little uh, secret compartment in a little box and puts it on the table before they come in. The doctor comes in and actually falls in as if he's kind of been tripped or pushed and uh, comments about what a lovely butler you have. He's so violent. <laughs> and he's all pleasantries and hello, how are you? And are you sh- um, commenting about the antique chairs? And they, sh- they should all have a drink and the doctor even goes and gets drinks for him. Duggan and Romana and introduces them and the Countess is being very quiet and tolerant and says that she wants to know what the doctor was doing in the Louvre why was you know, he following her and he was going to steal the painting and ended up stealing a bracelet you know doctor is not very forthcoming with his answers, and he says, well, why was Duggan this, you know, Duggan following me? And he says, well, he probably wanted to ask you out later. Um, she says that she doesn't believe that the doctor says, you know, he's, he's played just plain stupid. Um, Romana picks up the box and is playing with it, and she tells her to put it down. She says, it's a, a complicated Chinese puzzle box, and put it down. Don't play with it. And of course, Romana just doesn't listen, and Romana opens it and takes out the bracelet. Um, the Count um, arrives and comes in, and he takes the bracelet from her. And she, The Countess says something about the doctor playing stupid, and she's... I don't think he's as stupid as he looks, and the council says, well, no one could be as stupid as he looks. He says, oh, well, okay, I think we've established that I was not trying to steal this from you, and maybe we should just go. And the council says, no, I think you're going to stay here a while, and he's going to have Herman uh, take them down to his cells. And uh, in a bit of confusion... The doctor's going along with it. Duggan picks up one of the antique chairs and is going to hit Herman with it. And the doctor stops him because it's an antique. And he says, you know, we'll just, we'll just be act like civilized guests. And 
So Herman takes them downstairs and they go down to the basement and the doctor is more interested in the lab that they go through to get to the cell area where he's going to lock them in. He gives them a, um, a lamp and matches or a box of matches and turns out there's only one match and Duggan is Duggan is um, panicking because he wants to go after him and wants to keep him from stealing Molly's um, the doctor saying why he's in such a hurry to get here to try to find out information from them and then only want to now get out of here like we'll play along find out our information and then we'll escape so um, and he tells Duggan that they can't you know it's only like five o'clock it's like well they can't steal the Molisa now he says why he's, he's, the lead is still open um, so they light the the lantern or the lamp that they have and Ramana is interested in the room that they're in, but the doctor is going to try to get them out. So he uses, tries to use a sonic screwdriver on the door, and it doesn't work. And Duggan says, oh, well, let me have that. And he hits the door with it. And then the doctor tries again, and it works. So they manage to get out of the cell. Um, the doctor wants to check out the lab equipment again. Um, they said Dugan is still impatient, even though the doctors told him that they can't steal it while it's open. Ramana, while the doctor and Dugan are talking and looking about the lab, is walking back and forth with various equipment and going into the back end of their cell room. Finally, the doctor notices and is interested in what she's up to. Um, um, sorry, I have some place. Uh, Kerensky comes in uh, to the basement, and as they have heard somebody coming, they, they all kind of find a place to hide as the doctor still keeps watch. Uh, Kerensky comes in and grabs uh, an egg from the table and starts one of his experiments, and it turns out he's turning this egg into a chicken in this force field of those ray guns that we saw earlier. The doctor comes up behind him and says, which came first, eh? And he talks to Kerensky about um, this experiment and says, well, it's interesting, but wrong. The Count and Herman and the Countess and two of their muscle, their thugs, um, Count has a machine that's going to aid them in their theft, and you think, oh, well, the professor might like to see this, and it's like, no, no, never mind, we'll just do this ourselves, and he, he probably doesn't be bothered. The doctor and Kerensky, he's talking more about what his, his, he's doing, he's the foremost authority on temporal studies and Kerensky says that he could take a calf and make it into a cow in a matter of seconds um, and that he can end world hunger uh, end a famine across the world um, 
the doctor says, well, that's not a very big plan considering the size of the universe. Um, the doctor shows Kerensky a better experiment by turning the chicken, which has gone on to actually go from egg to chicken to skeleton and die, to back from skeleton to chicken to egg. And the doctor says, you know, well, I just reversed the polarity and got back to the egg. Um, and then as they are talking in the field of energy or whatever it is, the temple field, we see the face of a Jagaroth. But Duggan comes up and knocks Kerensky out. And the doctor says, if you do that again, I might have to get really... Um, go to drastic measures with you. He says, well, what is that? It's like, I might have to ask you to stop. Well, Ramana comes out and says that she's found an older room behind the cell wall where they have been held. The Count and his people are using this device to create a kind of like a hollow um, a hologram of the, the Louvre and the Mona Lisa and doing a dry run of what this device will do to help them to get around the safeguards of the painting to steal it. And uh, they're happy with the result of that and tonight they're going to do the real thing, going to do the theft. So the doctor and Ramana are trying to break into the room that's uh, next to them this older room um, and they're talking about you know, why steal the Mona Lisa Romana says you couldn't even show it you couldn't display it because people know it's stolen and Duggan says well he knows that in his office of you know, art theft he knows of seven people that would probably buy it knowing they were buying the stolen one so they uh, Duggan is tired of them fiddling with trying to break into the room so he says I can take care of this just stand back and he runs and muscles his way shoulders his way through the through the wall into the next room where they find these very old um, antique cabinets and the doctor opens one and says I don't know what's hanging in the Louvre but this is the Mona Lisa and then he opens more of the cabinets and there are more Mona Lisas and he examines them and he says, oh, these are real. All of them are real. And it turns out there are six of them. And then seven, counting the one in the Louvre, and that they make the connection with Duggan's comment about the seven buyers, that if all of them would buy it, and each one would think they were buying the stolen copy, the stolen Mona Lisa, and think of how much you know he, money he'd make by selling the Mona Lisas to these seven people. So the um, count walks in on them, catches them. He's uh, very good at evading questions to the from the doctor. Uh, the doctor says, "I like concise answers, even though they're not giving him any answer." But so the doctor is starting to question 
they count more and she accounts for something about be lights out for them and Desiane takes the opportunity and throws the lantern at him the lantern goes out and in the darkness he takes advantage of surprise and punches the count out um, the doctor says what's your answer to everything it's just hit it how come every time I start talking to somebody, you knock them out? So they they quietly creep out of the basement and head up the stairs. Um, I don't see, I don't know that we see why Duggan hangs back, but Romana and the doctor make it upstairs before he does, and they keep it creeping around the the main room. When Duggan comes up and he sees there's a gun being pointed at them from the foliage across the room, he picks up a vase and goes over and brains the person who's got the gun. And it turns out it's the Countess who's been knocked out now. The doctor says he's, he's headed off to, to meet a middle-aged Italian in middle age, very middle of history or something like that. And he heads off to, um, does he go into the Louvre? It looks like he goes in back into the museum. Who's this? The doctor, when he goes to the TARDIS. Anyway, he, he uses a sonic screwdriver to open the doors of uh, the glass doors and goes in this anteroom where there are some paintings hanging and then goes into the TARDIS. Oh, no, that's not the Louvre. That's where... Oh. Because we don't Actually, really... maybe it is. Okay. No, I'm sorry. It probably is, actually. Sorry to... Uh, on a tangent. I was thinking about that. But we don't really find out where he's parked the TARDIS when they get there. Yeah. We start with them in Paris already, so... Yeah, that's a good point. Um... So he must be in one of the museums of the Louvre. So he, he goes in, now that it's after hours, goes into the TARDIS as a loaded canine, and then meets the TARDIS materializes in a Renaissance studio of Leonardo. Um, the doctor looks around, looking for Leonardo, picking up some various bits and bobs on his studio tables, and talks about, oh, his paintings did really well, and... Especially the Mona Lisa, you remember that difficult woman? And he's talking uh, just to himself. Picks up a sketch as well. The, the helicopter idea did take a little bit longer, but you know that's how things go. And he's going on and on. And then he's he's accosted by a guard with the sword. He puts it right up to the doctor's neck and threatens him. And says, "He's like, I just wanted to see Leonardo. No one sees Leonardo." Leonardo is um, on a special assignment for, did you say Captain Tancredi? Yes. Captain Tancredi, and, um, well, the doctor tries to quickly slip out and weasel his way down to the, the floor to get away from the, the sword of his neck. And says, well, I'd very much like to speak with Captain Tancredi. He says, well, he'll be along presently. And we see a figure in the doorway a little farther on, in the, carrying a helmet and the, uh, the pantaloons, and you know, t 
tights, breeches, and a waistcoat, and long hair, and he steps in the room, and it's the Count, Scarioni, Scarol, and the Duchess, what are you doing here? And Jaggeroth says to him, well, I could ask you, what are you doing here? And we end. You forgot the most important part of that. Oh. Which is that he calls him by name. He knows that the doctor's name is the doctor. Oh, he says doctor. Okay. But we'll cover that when we get to the... Okay. Thing, or, or try to, anyway. I guess I just didn't even notice that, because he recognizes him, so I just yeah. didn't think about that. Well, the doctor recognizes him, obviously, but... I guess it is. It's important that the that they that he recognizes the doctor and calls him by name. The whole that whole thing. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of things really made me laugh in this. A lot of um, funny things that the doctor says. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, when he falls into the room, especially he's what a lovely butler you have. He's so violent. And he says it with such a big smile on his uh-huh. face. <laughs> and then he was trying to explain that um, Duggan might have been following her because you're, you're a beautiful woman, probably. Probably. <laughs> that probably cracks me up <laughs> every time. And he probably wanted to ask you to dinner. But yeah. <laughs> There's very subtle things they do to, to enforce this naivete that he has. Mm-hmm very opposite sex which is very endearing really you know mm-hmm. and then when he's when they're trying when he's trying to use the sonic screwdriver on the old door to get them out of the cell the room they've been locked in and then Duggan hits it against <laughs> the door and then it he goes to use it again and it works it's, do you want to be my scientific advisor <laughs> But then he turns around later on and says, your answer to everything is to hit it. Yes. (laughs) So I guess he's only okay with it if it's scientific equipment. And bang it on something, have it work. Um, Rather than just, you know, punching somebody in the face, which Duggan is very good at. Yeah, it's pretty much the only thing he does, actually, in this episode. That and questions everything the doctor says. Yeah. (laughs) And then they... Yeah, it was just so funny. Oh, and then the chair. What's it? What's it? What's he called? Louis Kahn. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, Louis Kahn. Louis Kahn. Which is Louis Fifteen. Louis Kahn. Um, oh, the nice, lovely chairs, and he flops down in one, and then uh, when Duggan picks one up, just don't do, don't throw that. That's a Louis Kahn. <laughs> it's just so humorous, you know. You know they're in real trouble, but. Yeah, except the doctor doesn't really think they are. No, in well, fact, he wants to be captured. Like he says, "Why come all this way not to get captured?" Yeah, because I want information from them. Yep. This is uh, now I'm here to get it. I'm just being trapped here, but he knows he's not really trapped. So, well, he thinks he's not because he's got his sonic screwdriver, which had just worked on Scarl. He mentions, and then Duggan says, "What?" and 
we want to say something else and it says oh great I'm trapped in here two lunatics two crazy people Yes, I was watching along. It's like, oh, I better write something down. Describe that. <laughs> it's funny with the. It's an ancient Chinese puzzle box. <laughs> Don't break it. Mm -hmm. Well, we've seen Chinese puzzle boxes before. Then China, and they had a big, big yeah puzzle box with a big cabinet. But you know. Anyway, so Ramana just doesn't That wasn't listen. so much a puzzle box, though. But no, I guess not. But uh, she just keeps fiddling with it and opens it immediately. <laughs> oh, look, a bracelet. <laughs> the bracelet, same one yeah. they had before. Yeah. But it's just so funny how, you know, she's really picked up this disregard for what other people want her to do, you know. Like the doctor would have mm -hmm. been doing it and opened the box anyway. She's and really not the fresh young student that she was at the beginning of Kita time. Yeah. She's surpassed that quite a bit now. Yeah, she's not as trusting of people. Mm-mm. It's funny the marked difference between the two now. Yeah. In fact, we were watching something else today, and they said something about the person having an, an honest face. Reminded me of one of my favorite lines from her first episode when we first ever see her. Is, you can't be a, a good crook with a dishonest face, can you? And that look on her face, oh, no, I guess not. You know? yep. It's like that's not something we see very we see really anymore because she's more experienced now. she's seen the bad guys and she's been threatened enough I think that that's why probably part of why the change yeah. mm, could be and we see her deductive reasoning from when she notices how the length of the wall that the room they're in was so many meters long, but yet their room was only half of that. So mm -hmm. it's like, there must be something else beyond, you know, this room. So that's what, and then when she's just moving equipment and stuff back and forth as they're talking <laughs> in the laboratory, it's just another funny thing that. Yeah, she's just working her way in the background, just yeah. taking things into the cell. Yeah, test tubes of the acid or some, something. She and took this some big stand of some kind. I think it was a work light yeah. of some kind in with her, too. And yeah, while they're arguing. While they're arguing, yeah. And the doctor kind of says, and don't you wonder what Ramana's up to <laughs> right now? Let's go see. <laughs> and then they get interrupted by Kransky, but... And do you want to talk about the reverse of polarity? <laughs> so during that scene, which is an interesting scene in itself, they set up the time field and they hatch an egg through till it becomes a skeleton. And then the doctor, in trying to prove to Kransky that, or Kransky, that he's done the wrong thing, 
He flips the switch, and it starts to unwind itself back from the skeleton to the egg. And the doctor refers to it as having reversed the polarity. At least he didn't say of the neutron flow. Oh, true. True, that but was the case, other part. It actually worked. I yeah. mean, it's truly what he probably had done. <laughs> yeah, because he just does something, a dial, and turns the switch the other way. Um, but we actually so, yeah. see it reverse. Yes. So he must have reversed something. Yes. So at least it makes a certain sort of sense. Unlike 90% of the times it was said by John Pertwee. Right. And that's why it doesn't seem stupid or a cop-out. Yeah. When we hear it. I mean, part of my brain went, no! <laughs> when we heard it again. But then I realized, like you said, well, that's what he did. Yeah. And most of the time he doesn't use that. So it just fit all right. But yeah, part of me went, oh, God. <laughs> but right, we did not hear the other part, which was of the neutron, neutron flow. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I wonder, did they know they were, they must have known they were throwing that in that he used it, oh. overused it too much. They have to have known. They had to have known and put it in there just, just in the case where it would be appropriate, Yeah, you know. <clears throat> and prophecy. We talk about the Duggan breaking through into the other room. Oh, you go ahead. <laughs> the bricks actually look soft. I mean, they look <laughs> not just styrofoam, but they looked actually squishy at one point. They were probably foam. Yeah. But not the hard jablite foam, I don't mm. think. I think they were actually... Um, pliable foam I couldn't be sure but it, they actually seems like he kind of squishes them as he pushes through them it wouldn't surprise me they're terrible that was very laughable anyway otherwise I think they're you know, the laboratory is outfitted well. I think we mentioned that last time. And then um, when the doctor goes back to um, the 15th century Italy, that's what I remember mm-hmm. coming in to see. Oh, an artist studio. And he's looking for Leonardo. I think I'll watch this. And he's British. I'm sure I'm going to watch this, you know. And... From then on, um, uh, but I think that the appointments around the room, and they even have a, a oil painting sketch of a battle scene that he had been known to be working on. So they did a little bit of homework, I think, mm-hmm. on Leonardo to to make it look uh, as authentic as we, we could maybe imagine it looked. Yeah. Um, even the sketch they had of the, the helicopter machine um, was done pretty well. Um, imitation of how he had his sketches and 
writing on it. Right. Um, <clears throat> reminds me of the first time I went to the Museum of Light. See the Da Vinci exhibit. Mm-hmm. They did. They had. A, that was a really nice job that they did with the little mock-ups of some of the machines and the full-size uh, air uh, flight designs and stuff that they had. Right. Um, but I think they, they did a nice job with the studio and everything uh, to give you that impression. But yeah, I had to, I just, it occurred to me when he went to the TARDIS that as I was relating it, it's like, okay, we didn't see them land, so we don't know where the TARDIS actually is supposed to be. But it looks, and I couldn't read the writing on the door because he was opening it from the outside glass doors that he used a sonic screwdriver on to get to the TARDIS but there was some smallish paintings on the wall as he walked to it so um, that's why I'm thinking it was in the Louvre or close by it or something I was thinking it might be in the cafe or something that they were going to several times because they'd been back there a couple times so I was wondering Maybe that's where he didn't park it, like in the back of the the room of tables or something. So I was surprised to see, or try to figure out where it was. So there were two notes of anything woolly to talk about. On no, the I like all notes. the humor in this one. It could have easily degenerated into too much or a slapstick version of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But other than the big fall at the beginning, it's not very much slapstick. No. And I rather enjoy all the humor in this one. Mm-hmm. I think it's very well done and very witty and... It is what I think of when I think of Tom Baker's time as the Doctor. Yeah. It's well placed. With, especially with Romana, the second Romana. Right. And the humorous, humorous bits we see are well placed in the episode, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they're sprinkled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not a laugh a minute thing. It's just eh, it's pretty much any time the Doctor speaks. But. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Anything else? I mean, it was not a whole lot to uh, relate, essentially. It was fairly quick moving. Yeah, it was. <coughs> but I still feel like we've our story is advanced, mm-hmm. even though I don't. We didn't see a whole lot. We we learned quite a few things, um, and it's it's. One thing that I asked about when we were watching it is like when the when the doctor reverses the polarity and they go back to the egg, and the field is left on. Somewhere in the f- that field, the glowing lights that are shifting around that happened when they turned to, to egg to chicken and then back again, um, we see the, a face of a jaguar. So not not really sure about that or why. Yeah. I'm not sure either. 
So maybe there was something that a scene we didn't see that might explain that a little bit, or I'm not quite sure. That's the only problem I really have is I don't understand how that fits. Unfortunately, we had to see the the Jaggeroff um, mask almost come off again in our re uh, revisit to the open to the opening. Yeah. Um, and then I also noticed that in that mask, as you get, as they go to zoom in a close-up to the eye, which I thought was kind of good last time, I hadn't noticed that in part of the spaghetti twists of, of the green texture of the mask, you can kind of see through a hole in it to the, the mirror and the, the desk beyond. Probably fine, but it just like hey, I can see through that little part right there. <laughs> kind of unexpected. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty good. For um, ending, we talked about the ending. Yep. Like you said, it's important that <clears throat> the doctor recognizes Scarlione, scare off, mm-hmm. over as this Captain Tancredi and that Tancredi recognizes and acknowledges the doctor so as a time traveler possibly well it implies that this version of Scaroff is either the future version of the one we've been seeing all along mm-hmm. or if there are multiples of them they communicate mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so there's a lot of um, time questions yep really of course there's the threat a little threat to the doctor because you know he they are enemies at this point um and the Scaroff apparently has some measure of power now in this time period. Yes. Yes. Um, well, in both, actually. Well, it? true. Um, yes. It, he has some power in the community of Renaissance Italy. And the doctor might be is caught up in that. And then there's... I said, like you said, there are questions about um, how they know, how he knows the doctor, and how they, if it is time travel, how does you know how does Jagroff get through time? You know, we know how the doctor does. Mm-hmm. We don't know about how he does it, so. A lot of a uh, lot of information to end on. Yeah. To see where we pick up. But I think it's an excellent way to end. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the better cliffhangers in the whole run of the show so far. Yes, I agree. It doesn't hurt that I love this episode quite a bit, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's I like the 
cliffhanger so much because I love the episode so much, or I love the episode so much because I love the cliffhanger so much. Mm. I'm not sure. <laughs> Chicken or egg? <laughs> when, when I first saw this one, I like I said, I came in when he goes back to um, Leonardo's studio. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know all the rest of it before this episode and a half or so that had preceded it. Okay, well, why is it, you know, it was even worse for me. It's like, well, who is that person? Why does he know the doctor? And who's the doctor, actually, you know? So, not even knowing that he was an alien yet. Right. So. And it's effective then because I kept watching. Not even knowing everything I could have. Very good. Is that it? Mm-hmm. All right. Join us tomorrow when we talk about episode three of City of Death. Got to figure out a way to do it like Shatner. <laughs> City of Death. Ah, still not good. Anyway, so join us tomorrow when we talk about episode three. So join us in and thank you for listening.